before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about a limited opportunity. The doors are open to our online community. Where we're helping clinicians get confidence and success when dealing with the complexity of pain we see in practice. We have Brownie Thompson, Mike Stewart, and myself helping clinicians get the training they need to get comfortable managing pain well. You get live events, workshops, peer support, and direct feedback on your practice and your unique struggles. You can visit the community on your computer or on the go on your smartphone. The doors are closing on May 8th, so make sure you check out modernpainpro.com for all the details and to start transforming your practice today. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What is going on, everybody? This is Mark Cardula, lead faculty and CEO here at Modern Pain Care, where we make you the complete clinician. Today's episode of the Modern Pain Podcast uh, comes from, again, shockingly, some social media um, observations that I guess we've been making uh, as far as, especially on exercise. It's, it seems like um, some of the, especially early career, career clinicians and others seem to be, I don't know, maybe missing the boat a little bit or getting a little bit too overly um complicated with exercise without some of the baseline things we think clinicians probably could use to really cut the fluff and get really down to the stuff that's going to create change with their patients. But let's, let's cue up this topic a little bit. And, but first talk to our partner here, Jared, how are you doing, Jared? I'm doing well, Mark, man. I'm excited to talk about this one. I think this is a, uh, I think this is a good and relevant episode that's kind of been brewing in the back of my mind for a while. I've just been making observations for a long time. It's it's come up on a lot of different discussions. And, you know, there's a possibility we could come across sounding like the grumpy old men, but, you know, let's try not to do that. Let's try to walk that line of nuance and, and, and <laughs> not just talk about back in my day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm famous for that. Cause I, you know, I, I've, I realized I'm, you know, I'll be a 20 year clinician here in the not too distant future. I mean, you got a few, a year or two more, but, um, it's hard to believe I've been out there, but I, it, it is a constant challenge, especially with the social media and, and the ability of research to hit your, uh, we kind of spoke about that the last episode, as far as how quickly research, as if you're on the clinical front lines, you can start getting access to it the moment it's pretty much published in preprint and all that good stuff to, um, it's, so it's not easy to, uh, to, to keep up with that stuff, but give us a little bit of kind of background of kind of what you've been seeing and maybe kind of what stimulated, uh, the thought process on, on kind of the, what you see with, you know, the Instagram posts of, uh, you know, exercise it seems to be the, the, uh, the, the, the place where, you know, a lot of clinicians want to come on and, and, you know, demonstrate exercises. And, you know, honestly, I'm think about what would I have been looking at and, and putting on social media if I was to go back the nearly 20 years and, and see what, what was I thinking back then? I'm kind of glad I didn't have social media, to be honest with you, at that point, just because my thought process, which, again, probably hopefully a sign of some good things that have happened in my career where my thought process has surely evolved and changed significantly, but I'm just uh, curious kind of what's been the background of, of, of today's episode that you've seen. Yeah, I'd say background is, you know, over the years, um, I've been pretty active on, on Instagram and that sort of thing. And, uh, 
there is a general theme. And of course, not everybody follows this at all. There's some there's some phenomenal content on Instagram that, you know, I follow and I think that everybody should follow. But uh, there's a there's a general theme to be like, you have X problem, do X exercise. Right. And it's like this oversimplification. And oftentimes it's uh, well, you have this problem. Here's this here's this kind of like fancy exercise. It's got a body blade in it, or it's got a Bosu ball, or it's got a you know a weird use of a physio ball, or it's got some weird use of some little rehab trinket or gadget or something like that, or it it's it's heavily focused on like sequential activation of certain muscles or something like that, as if we can really control well sequential activation of muscles during everyday function or anything like that, right? So it, it kind of gets dubbed almost like there's exercise and then there's rehab exercise. And these are two different things. Like, and you've got to go to a rehab specialist that knows all of the cool rehab exercises to give you to rehab your problem. And that is a different thing than like regular exercise. So with that in mind, the other day I posted on social media, I had a post that said, you can prescribe the same exact exercise a hundred different ways with a hundred different doses, a hundred different intensities, and a hundred different rationales for a hundred different patients. We don't need goofy, fad rehab exercises. What we need instead is a solid critical thinking and clinical reasoning framework to follow. Uh, so that was essentially my clap back, I guess you could call it. That's what, that's what the kids are saying these days, uh, on these, these like fad, these, (laughs) sorry, these fad goofy exercises and that sort of thing, because a lot of times there's not necessarily a, a a huge foundational underpinning for, for those things. And, um, if you're getting bored with regular exercise, regular exercise choices, we'll say regular exercises, you know, squats, deadlift, presses, you know, pushes, pulls, uh, bridge, you know, hip thrust bridge of some sort, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would, I would challenge you to say, you're probably not necessarily thinking deeply enough about the, the underlying prescriptive components of that. You're just giving the exercise without thinking about, the sets, the reps, the duration, the intensity, the volume, all of the things that go into maybe actually making that exercise specific to that person or, or more or less appropriate for that person. So that's kind of where all this stemmed from. Uh, a few things. The rehab trinkets. I like, I like, I'm going to file that one away of the rehab trinkets that, that the folks are rolling with. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, exercise and it's been that, you know, the, I went through the functional exercise craze of like, you know, where we got folks doing all sorts of interesting things and, and in ways that truly looking back, how freaking functional, again, you can get into athletes where there's some higher demands where you can get a little bit more challenging. It depends on the person you're working with, of course. Um, but yeah, without that foundational framework to me, I mean, you can chase fads and, and Instagram you know, amazing looking exercises, but what's your thoughtful process that goes into prescribing that? How have you tailored it to fit it to the, that unique individual towards you? Or are you just pulling individuals into what you do where you're, it's a clinician center practice where it's just, Hey, I got all, 
and I just was on the gram for, you know, 30 minutes. I got about six exercises. I'm going to roll out. I'm going to pull you into it, whether you're appropriate for it or not, or I'm not going to, you know, dose it. But I mean, I'm probably not the most exciting exercise prescriber, truly. And I don't, uh, that does, and I shouldn't say not exciting, just truly, what does the person need to do in life? I don't work with a ton of, I mean, I do work with athletes uh, from time to time and I work with some CrossFit folks and other uh, folks. So that, that I enjoy because it kind of gets my creative juices flowing of like, Hey, how we have to challenge this person a little bit differently than the person who's, you know, struggling just to navigate their way to their mailbox. And, you know, so, um, you know, but again, it's where's, what's the person want to be able to do what's valuable in their life. That's a goal they want to attain and what movements go into that goal and structure exercises and make it look like that, you know, getting out of chair squats, sit to stands. I mean, it doesn't have to be amazingly complex from a choice, but I, I definitely agree with you that how do you understand what's their movement baseline? What's been their loading history? How do I, what kind of sets and where am I going? Am I going to go intensity first? Am I going volume? Am I, um, you know, how many sets, what, what is going to look like? How do I make sure I'm not going to, I'm going to minimize that, you know, inevitable, you know, soreness that comes after working muscles that a lot, a lot of times people haven't worked with. So yeah, I, I can't agree more on the the lack of a framework. And I, I definitely operated without one for a good chunk of the early part of my career, just because it was, you know, you have this feeling of inadequacy and you, you grab onto authority figures of exercise. And I'm not saying a lot of the folks that put a lot of great material out there, nothing wrong with it. It's just, you need to recognize that they're often applying it with a very thoughtful, especially like, again, when we get into tendinopathy research, there's a lot of thoughtful application of, of load and force with, with folks in that situation. Um, what do you think are kind of the ways, uh, you know, you know, your early clinicians or even experienced clinicians who might feel they're in a rut on the exercise, uh, kind of reasoning perspective, what would be some things you think they can do to kind of improve their, uh, you know, foundations around what they're doing on the exercise front? Well, uh, <laughs> man, that's a loaded question. Yes, that's all, that, that is, that, that's probably a lot more than, uh, we could cover in this, but I think in general, there's, um, a lot of clinicians don't have like a, 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 a fairly decent strength and conditioning background or just understanding of like, you know, why do we prescribe exercise a certain way? What are the dosing parameters that really make sense? You know, that sort of stuff. And, you know, of course, uh, we're partnered with, you know, a, a few people that, that, that run the across the continuum, uh, you know, continuing education approach for learning more about strength conditioning foundation principles and how to apply those to rehab patients and that sort of stuff. Uh, so I want to give them a shout out. <laughs> yeah. Joe, um, Joe Camerato and CJ De Palma, uh, two uh, folks that are joined the team that we've been excited. They ran their first cohort and they've had great feedback. So I'm excited to, I'm going to actually probably jump in the second one just so I can sharpen my skills. And I always learn stuff from, you know, hanging around other smart people and they've put together a pretty amazing program. So I'm excited for that. But anyway, as you were uh, back to you, Jared. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I think just learning a little bit more about strength conditioning is, is important, but uh, a lot of the things, you know, we, we work with people in pain as well. And, and, and sometimes strength and, strength and conditioning is important for getting somebody back to having the capacity to uh, undertake the loads and demands of their life. So they don't get injured. They don't get overloaded. They don't have as much pain, but also sometimes like uh, we're prescribing exercise for pain. And, you know, I think about things like, uh, you know, asking yourself the question, why am I prescribing this exercise? What is the purpose 
behind this exercise. And, and instead of just saying, well, this person has low back pain, so I'm going to give them a bridge. Like a bridge is one of the most foundational exercises in PT, right? It's, it, it goes back forever. Everybody does bridges of, of some form or another. Um, and if you're in, you're in the strength and conditioning world, then you follow Brett Contreras and he does hip thrusts, right? Which is basically just a big, fancy loaded bridge. So you're taking this exercise that is you know, done in every PT clinic across the world, pretty much. But you're asking why, right? Okay, well, I have a person that has low back pain uh, and they're extension intolerant. I'm prescribing a bridge to gradually expose them to lumbar extension. They're in control of moving into lumbar extension actively. And the higher they bridge, the more lumbar extension they get. And I can modify their feet height. Uh, I can modify their range of motion. I can modify, you know, I can give assistance for that bridge. I can give load to that bridge. And all of these things could maybe be ways to adjust an exercise just to expose them to extension. Well, you might say, man, they have low back pain because I, I think they have significantly reduced endurance in their, you know, posterior chain, lumbar extensors, you know, uh, hip extensors and that sort of thing. It's like, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to prescribe a bridge with an endurance component. So what I'm going to do is really, really high rep bridges with short rest breaks. And I'm going to work, look at total volume. And today I'm going to try to get them to do 60 bridges. And next week I'm going to try to get them to do 70 or 80 bridges. And then week after that, I'm going to try to get them to do a hundred. And then we're going to reduce the rest break. And then we're going to, uh, you know, increase the speed. And then we're going to add in uh, long-term holds, you know, at the top of a bridge. So they're in a sustained position of holding extension under load, et cetera. Well, then we're going to add load to that, right? So you, you, you've got to think about why am I prescribing this? What is my desired outcome? What is the component that I'm looking at? And then you go into parameters, whether that's, that's load, duration, speed, intensity, volume, whatever it is, right? So then you're, you're making the very same exact exercise extremely specific to that person that you're dealing with instead of just saying, well, you know, I give everybody three sets of 10 bridges or I give everybody two sets of 20 bridges or I give everybody, you know, the same exact approach. It's like, well, how can I actually dose this to be sufficient for the person that I'm working with to achieve their particular goals or address their particular deficits. Yeah. And I think it comes down to is just thoughtful application of exercise too. I know, and I will speak from my experience of early in career. Sometimes it was a time filler where I was just trying to keep above water and that happens. I'm not saying it's, you know, never, you know, could it possibly happen, but even then, I think the more you can get reasoned with exercise and and not just where it's a switch off your brain so I can regroup thing, uh, where it's like there's thoughtful application. Like Jared said, hey, extension intolerant, we're going to start exposing them to that extension load at a graded fashion that, you know, you can tweak those parameters like you did nicely. And you take a bridge, which again, some people are like, oh, bridge, it's so boring. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to get clicks on the gram. But it's a very foundational movement. You know, the hip extension, you know, is a foundational movement for a lot of functional activities. I think you can tie that to a sit to stands, you know, gait. I mean, pretty important things in the, in the world of, uh, 
our patients that uh, if we can improve can be very changing, life-changing for them if they all of a sudden can do those activities with better endurance and less pain and all those things. And and then, of course, you know, our, our bias is to, you know, think about what's happening from, you know, pain-wise too, where's this person at on their endogenous analgesic potential from, you know, what you know about their past history, what you know about, you know, probably presence of nociplastic pain mechanisms and different things, especially if you're working with our, you know, fibromyalgia or our widespread pain type populations. Um, and you really hone it in on, on the exact person in front of you. And I think, um, sometimes we, we get very thoughtful with, you know, how am I going to manipulate or mobilize and, and do these, you know, Pat, which again, very important. You should have reasoning with that, but you shouldn't take exercise as let me just run through this, like this thoughtless, uh, you know, thing. And now again, there's, there's times where, yeah, well, what happens if we're double booked? I think we can still do some good, you know, care while we're double booked too. And I know Jared, maybe we'd need to do an episode on that because you've successfully navigated where you have two patients in the clinic, um, at the same time. And, and been able to be thoughtfully applying exercise to them both at the, at the, you know, similar time frames. So, um, I don't know if we want to speak to that this podcast or not, but, um, in the end, it, it just becomes just, again, thinking and, and critically thinking about what you're doing, why you're doing it and what's the desired outcome, like Jared said. And, um, it, to me, it makes, I look at exercises, the much more truly challenging thought process than, you know, poking into pain with passive techniques. Um, I know that's going to harm people's egos on the, maybe the manual therapy front, but I honestly don't think it needs to be, I think we've overcomplicated that intervention beyond belief to the point. I think we missed the people ain't living lives and moving on beds. They're doing it off tables where we can structure movement and exercise to really meet where they're at and move them to where they want to be, um, which is a lot harder and a lot more thoughtful, in my opinion, than, um, you know, what 15 directions we're going to try to lock something out and wiggle at a specific spot. I just don't think we're, we're focusing on the right things when that's in our thought process. But anyway, um, what do you think, Jared? What are any other thoughts you have as far as you want to share with people on, uh, on this topic? Man, you know, I would, I would just say, gosh, um, If you feel uncomfortable, you know, about your exercise prescription and your exercise dosing, uh, instead of going the direction of trying to just throw in, you know, shiny new exercises, uh, actively seek out somebody that's got a lot of exercise experience, a lot of exercise uh, knowledge and, and try to get a little bit of mentorship. Try to find somebody that you can ask questions to ask uh, that you can reflect on your thought processes on, because again, you know, the exercise is different, even, even though it's the same exact exercise, that bridge that we talked about, it's actually a different exercise for different people with different programming and different foundational thought processes. So, you know, I would personally recommend, you know, uh, taking Scott Morrison's sloptimal loading class, anything from Scott Morrison or Eric Mara. Uh, and of course, Joe Camaretto and, you know, CJ De Palma are doing fantastic stuff. I don't want to only uh, represent our partners. There are other people doing really, really great stuff. Uh, and then like Rehab to Perform, that that group uh, that Jared Boyd is associated with, you know, they're doing great things as well. So I, I, there are various people that and Ben Cormack, you know, Ben Cormack does a good job mm-hmm. of really diving into the components of exercise and talking about exercise, uh, for pain and, and goal setting and all this sort of stuff with his, uh, with his functional therapeutic movement course. Uh, so I would, I mean, 
follow these people, read everything that they put out, try to take their courses, jump in a mentorship cohort if they have it. Cause that's, that's really where you're going to get the, uh, the improvement to your practice is with uh, more long-term mentorship. Definitely agree. I think having somebody, you know, look at what you're doing and, and getting some feedback on what you're doing and how you can improve and some of seeing how they're thinking about exercises and observing that they're doing in practice. I think I can't emphasize enough. That's been where my growth has really been the most when I've been able to, to get feedback from those type of people. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll drop a link in the show notes. Uh, if you want to uh, talk to Joe or CJ about possibly jumping in their um, group, uh, you can get on their interest list and, and have a discussions with them and see if it's a good fit for you. Um, like I said, they just ran their first cohort and they've had a lot of great feedback. So um, we're excited to have them as partners. But Jared mentioned a lot of great people. I agree. I think uh, we're not here just to toot our own horn a little bit, but uh, of course, we had, there's a lot of people doing some great things. I'd say Tom Goom, the running physio and some other folks that are doing some good stuff. Adam Meekins, of course, are on the shoulder. Jared Powell on the shoulder. There's just so many freaking good people out there doing some great stuff that I think um, you got a lot of choices. Um, the, the key is, is just keep your open mind, keep your critical thought process rolling. Um, and let's try to, to always get better each day. And I, I, there's a lot of opportunity out there if you go search for it. So hopefully you guys got some good ideas today through the podcast to, to help your growth on the exercise front. But I'm going to cut today's episode off at that. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out to Jared if you have any questions or comments or things you want to hear us talk about in the podcast. But until next week, we will talk to you then. This has been another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast with Dr. Mark Karchula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also, visit the Pain Masterminds Network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast.